One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. You're listening to the Cattle Station Classroom Podcast, where we learn about the North Australian beef industry and answer your questions. So, it doesn't matter how far from town you are, because we're bringing the classroom to you. Welcome to the Cattle Station Classroom Podcast. In today's lesson, we are going to be learning about the different types of land tenure in Western Australia, in particular, crown land and pastoral leases. To do this, I am joined by Alison Gibson from the WA Department of Planning, Lands and Heritage. Alison is the project lead for the Land Administration Act Amendment Project and previously worked as a senior solicitor in the Department of Planning, Lands and Heritage for eight years, specialising in Crown land law and practice. So I couldn't think of anyone more suited to helping us in this episode. To start, can I ask, what is the Department of Planning, Lands and Heritage? So we're a department that is specifically uh, set up to look after uh, various ministers in their portfolios of planning, uh, land, which is crown land, and heritage, which is both Aboriginal heritage and uh, state heritage. Um, We help the Minister for Lands administer and manage crown land in the whole of Western Australia. And so we're going to talk about types of land tenure. So let's start off. You mentioned that part one of the roles of this department is to look after Crown land. What is Crown land? Well, all land in Western Australia, other than land which has been alienated from the Crown, which is freehold land. Uh, currently, 92% approximately of Western Australia still remains Crown land. Okay, so there's two types of land in WA Crown land and freehold, and freehold, so another term for that is alienated land. Because it's been taken away from the Crown, usually by a grant to someone or they've bought it from the Crown and it's been converted from Crown land into freehold land. It's quite an interesting term. So what is the role of uh, the department in in administering and looking after Crown land? Well, a whole range of things. So we deal with applications from people who want to use Crown land for various purposes. They might want to have it converted into freehold or they might want a lease of Crown land. The Crown also or the state also uh, reserves the land uh, under a, a form of tenure called a reserve for public use. So recreation reserves that are used by footy clubs uh, and things like that, national parks, for example, um, are all crown land in different forms, but in the latter case, usually reserves. So how does a pastoral lease work then? I understand that's crown land. It starts off as usually unallocated crown land if it's a new pastoral lease, for example, or it could be an old pastoral lease that's been surrendered and we regrant. But 
people make an application for any type of lease under the Land Administration Act. So we have a whole range of leases as well as pastoral ones. Um, pastoral ones are a particular type of lease, which are well, they're quite controlled under the Land Administration Act. So they have certain requirements that other leases under the same Act don't have. So, for example, a pastoral lease can only be used for pastoral purposes. And pastoral purposes is defined in the Act and essentially means the commercial grazing of stock or things that are ancillary or supplementary to that main purpose. Other leases under the Land Administration Act, such as one that's granted under what we call a Section 79 general lease, could be for any purpose. could be for an industrial purpose, could be for um, aquaculture and so on. So pastoral leases are prescriptive in the sense that they can only be used for pastoral purposes. Um, they can only be granted for a term of up to 50 years and they have to go through a particular process in order to be granted, which is a public offering of a lease. A number of pastoral leases in WA have mining activity being undertaken on them. Can you explain how that relationship works? So under the Mining Act, people can apply for what's called a mining tenement. And a mining tenement can be anything from an expiration licence or prospecting licence all the way through to a general purpose lease, which permits mining. Unlike a pastoral lease, a mining tenement is a statutory right to use land for mining purposes. A pastoral lease or a general lease under under our Land Administration Act is actually an interest in the land and is registrable as an interest at Landgate. A mining tenement is not able to be registered at Landgate as a as an interest in land. So quite that's why quite a lot of mining companies purchase pastoral leases so that they don't have to deal with a pastoral lessee who might not be very happy with their proposals to, you know, fossic on a particular part of the pastoral lease at the same time as their cows are grazing, for example. So, um, But they do have to run them as pastoral stations under the Land Administration Act, though. Okay. So there there may be an area in WA where, let's say, there is not a pastoral lease in this mm-hmm. particular area and a mining company can apply for a mining tenement and happy days, they can just do what that covers, but there is obviously a lot of country where mining companies wish to undertake activity that's already been designated as pastoral leases. So they can either work with the existing leaseholder and have a relationship that way or what I think a number have done, they've purchased the pastoral lease themselves. So they're kind of taking a third party out of the equation and they can just manage it. Mm. But they do have to run it as a pastoral lease. Yes. If they have a pastoral lease, they, they certainly have to use it as a pastoral lease. There are some proposed changes at the moment which may see this change. What do they involve? Well, um, the government recognises, has recognised for a long time that there is a um, demand for use of Crown land at a very broad scale for purposes other than pastoral purposes. And certainly this, the, the current government who's committed to net zero emissions by 2050 particularly have recognised that need. And Obviously, the emerging hydrogen or renewable energy uh, sector has uh, certainly exacerbated that, uh, I suppose, desire for that use of land. The problem is that obviously the whole of Western Australia has been designated a mineral field, which means it's open for mining. And in order for leases uh, of Crown land to be granted, the Minister for Lands has to get the consent of the Minister for Mines under the Mining Act. 
And the Minister for Mines, obviously, uh, if an area of land is highly prospective, very reluctant to allow exclusive possession of that land for someone else for a different purpose because it's obviously going to interfere with mining activity. So the government's answer to that is to develop a new form of lease under the Land Administration Act, which is going to be called a diversification lease, which is designed for large areas of land to be used for generally low-intensive uses, um, but which can coexist with mining rights and also native title rights and interests. So very much like a pastoral lease, but without having to be used for pastoral purposes. So what are some of these other uses that people may want to use what is currently a pastoral lease? What what other things they may want to do with it instead of run sheep or cattle? Well, they might want to, uh, as I say, use it for a renewable energy project. So, you know, large areas of land used uh, for solar panels or wind turbines. We've had um, interest from conservation groups who are looking to use the land for biodiversity and to protect endangered species. Um, some Aboriginal um, uh, parties would like to perhaps use the land under lease for Aboriginal cultural activities, maybe economic development or business opportunities, which they can't currently do. A whole range of things, almost as, you know, sort of as wide as you could possibly think, that would suit a, probably a low intensity type use. So we're not talking about, I mean, look, obviously a renewable energy project has potentially high intensity areas such as processing plants. Now, we're not suggesting that uh, these leases could, will be used for that purpose, perhaps. They might be, just depends on, on what the prospectivity is of the land. But certainly, this sort of, you know, the more low intensive uses, it, it certainly would be useful for. So what is the case now, though, that those are some proposed changes to come in. What if somebody has a pastoral lease right now and they want to do other things on it? What is that process and what does that look like? Okay, so they would have to apply for what's called a diversification permit, which is uh, a permit that's issued by the Pastoral Lands Board that would enable them to, for example, um, you know, sort of do a, a tourism activity. But they would still have to run the pastoral lease as well. Okay, so if I have a cattle station today, no tourism operation, but I just want to open a station today, I can't just... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Put in the infrastructure and do some advertising and doors open. You actually have to get permission from the, d- the department for that. Yes, you do. And from the Pastoral Lands Board, not from the department. Okay, from the Pastoral mm-hmm. Lands Board. And I still have to make the majority of my income from pastoralism though from running livestock can you just run us over again then what these proposed changes would look like so this new form of lease is designed to be non-exclusive that is 
uh, other parties such as minors and native title um, people will be able to uh, still gain access to the land. There will be a statutory right, for example, for Aboriginal people to enter upon unenclosed and unimproved parts of a diversification lease to seek their cut their sustenance in their accustomed manner, which is similar to a pastoral lease. And for minors, the, there will be an ability for mining to still go on, um, but obviously um, for areas where there will be substantial infrastructure, that will be agreed with the Minister for Mines at the very beginning of the lease. Any changes to those areas during the term of the lease or to any of the uses that that lease is put to will also require the Minister for Mines to agree to those changes during the course of the lease as well. If somebody was to convert their lease once these changes have gone through, does it just become a diversification lease or do you have to specify, I want a lease for tourism, for hydrogen, for carbon? Like, are you locked into one thing and then you need to come back and ask if you want to then start running cattle again in 10 years' time? You can ask for a lease for multiple purposes if you know, you know, the uses that you want to put the land to. So, you know, we, it would be quite possible for someone to have a grazing use if they still want to do a bit of grazing on the land, might have carbon on another part of the land and might have tourism on a, on a, say a third part. And the lease could have all three uses, uh, as part of its, of its terms. Any changes, though, to those three uses, in my example, would need a fresh consent from the Minister for Mines and a fresh consent, obviously, from the Minister for Lands. So if somebody changes their pastoral lease to, say, just they put it down just for tourism, and then in 10 years' time they either want to get back into cattle or perhaps, say, sell the lease and somebody who's interested in buying is interested in using it for grazing purposes, they would, ideally, before buying it, need mm. to get that that consent to make sure it can be... Uh, have that that use added back onto it. That's right. And obviously, uh, the other consideration is they would have to get approval from the native title holders uh, to the change as well, because obviously any different use could have an effect on native title rights and interests. And the permission that's given in the beginning for, say, just a tourism lease might need to be changed to allow a grazing lease a use as well. You mentioned native title just before. How does that play into this so for a diversification lease to be granted, it will be necessary for the person who wants the lease to reach an agreement with the relevant native title claimants or holders, and that's by what's called an Indigenous land use agreement. Okay, so who would does, – does every pastoralist right now currently have one of those? No, no not, not every pastoralist. Some pastoralists do. Um, that's where they want – they've got a permit for, say, uh, a non-pastoral purpose. Um, so they've gone and negotiated nearly so they can have a permit granted to them. Um, but, um, you know, the majority of pastoralists wouldn't have Indigenous land use agreements currently. Uh, Illuers are quite complicated under the Native Title Act. Um, they have to be obviously uh, negotiated. Agreement has to be reached. They have to be signed. Then they have to be registered at the National Native Title Tribunal. So they're quite now. They can be quite uh, a process, and they can be quite expensive because obviously people quite often need to engage lawyers or consultants to help them with it. Uh, it is a process that, you know, the department tries to help people with. Um, if we can, we will uh, supply a template ILUA to assist in negotiations. But really, the agreement is whatever someone reaches, you know, what the parties reach between themselves. 
Okay. And so that could involve anything from land access um, and land usage to cash payments or jobs or all sorts of, I mean, really it's as, as high as the sky, like there's lots of options there. Absolutely. And, uh, and obviously we're hoping or the government's hoping that in this, you know, as part of the, this new form of tenure, that this will give not only pastoralists an opportunity to diversify into other uh, uses of crown land, but similarly native title people an opportunity to get a much better return from their, from their, you know, their native title rights and interests. So when these proposed changes are passed, people will have the option to, if they want to do something of non-pastoral activity, they can go as, as the current option is with a diversification permit, or there will be an option to, to switch into a diversification lease. Why would somebody pick one or the other? Uh, look, it really depends on uh, what they, what their ultimate uh, sort of aims are. So, a pastoralist who is happy to continue with mainly a pastoral activity, but who wants to perhaps, you know, have a farm stay or, or, or something which is a primary production activity on the pastoral lease might decide to just apply for a diversification permit because that wouldn't require them to enter into a negotiations for an ILUA. The downside of that is that a permit is not an interest in land. It's not registrable at Landgate as an interest and it's not usable as, as bankable security for a loan. So if, and obviously you have to still use the land primarily for pastoral purposes. If you convert though to a diversification lease when it becomes available, there will be no need for permits. You can do whatever the lease permits you to do. It will be registered at Landgate and you can use it as, as security for finance. So it really depends, I think, on what your ultimate aim is. Do you want to still do pastoral mainly or not? And I think that will be the, the decision that people make. And, and another reason that someone might want to apply for a diversification lease instead is that currently uh, the maximum term of a pastoral lease is 50 years. There is no, there's, there's no proposed any, you know, sort of restriction on the length of a, a new diversification lease. It could be, for example, 99 years if the minister thought that was appropriate. So, um, you know, remembering that not all pastoral leases are 50 years. Some have much shorter terms. Some are as short as 18 years, for example. Um, and so they might want to, uh, you know, sort of convert to a diversification lease uh, to have a longer term if they want to carry out, for example, a carbon project. However, we are making some other amendments to the Land Administration Act, uh, which will give the Minister the ability to extend a pastoral lease out to 50 years, uh, which currently has no power to do. Um, so that will that would require an ILUA, but it, that is another change that's coming to the Land Administration Act, which will be beneficial to pastoralists as well. So what is the expected timeline for these proposed changes to come into effect and where can people go to find more information and follow along for updates? Hmm. So the Land and Public Works Amendment Legislation Bill, as it's called, is currently being drafted by Parliamentary Council. We're hoping that uh, the bill will be able to be introduced into Parliament by in the first half of this year, so by hopefully July. And uh, with any luck, it might be passed by the end of the year so that 
that this new tenure and the other changes to the Act will be uh, in force, hopefully from early next year. There's lots of information about all the amendments to the Land Administration Act, including the diversification lease on the Department of Planning, Lands and Heritage website. Um, and if people just go on there and look for the, the name of the bill uh, and click on that, they'll be taken to frequently asked questions what all of the amendments are about and, and lots of explanatory material. We're also really happy to hear from people if they'd like to email into the department. And the email address is laa2022 at dplh.wa.gov.au. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 